0: topic of our discourse satna this satna evening is uh, equanimity in the context of fatna the satipatthana meditation. But before we uh, go into any of uh, those details related to equanimity, let us uh, look at satna 2 more uh, general terms under which uh, uh, equanimity, uh, then or uh, with which a certain connection is there, and. During the uh, question and answer uh, session on uh, Thursday, one or for that one uh, question was submitted, namely, could you please clarify the distinction between mind and consciousness? Now, an interesting uh, question. At first, one might be tempted to say that both of those are totally identical. But certainly, at least in terms of usage, certain differences certainly exist. The Pali term citta is derived from chitti to think. The traditional interpretation of the term is that which is conscious of an object cinteti or vijanati. Actually it is not that which thinks of an object as the term implies. If it could be said It thinks, as one says in the English language, it rains, it would be more in consonance with the Buddhist teaching. From an ultimate certain point of view, the Pali term citta may be defined as being conscious of an object, since in the Buddha's teachings, or since the Buddha's teachings, deny a subjective agent like a soul. No distinction is made between mind and consciousness, which are used as equivalents for the Padi term citta. The term citta is usually employed in buddhist philosophy to denote different classes of consciousness so for instance certainly when you look at certain the 89 types of consciousness as certainly mentioned in you know, the abhidhamma you know, then you have 81 mundane uh, types of consciousness and that, you know, those uh, among you know, those we have the sense sphere uh, chittas and uh, and uh, sense sphere, unwholesome cheetahs, then rootless cheetahs, sense sphere, beautiful cheetahs, then, as another uh, major category, the final material fine material Saint sphere uh, cheetahs fifteen there are fifteen of those, and then the immaterial sphere cheetahs, there are twelve of those, and finally uh, the uh, supramundane uh, cheetahs uh, there are eight of uh, those, so in total. Uh, Eighty nine. No, in isolated cases, in the ordinary sense of mind, both. The Pali terms citta and mana and mana here being derived from man to think are frequently used without any distinction. The Pali term nama Means that which turns towards an object, this term is used in connection with two constituent parts of the so called Satna being, namely mind and matter, nama rupa. Now, as for the Pali term winyana, derived from the prefix v. Vi- and Satna, then the root Nya to know. This vijnana frequently occurs both in the Abhidhamma as well as in the Sutta Pitaka, and it should be understood in accordance with the context. So, in the context of the five aggregates, the pan- Panchakanda, the, f- the five aspects in which Shatna, the Buddha, has Shatna summed up uh, all the physical and mental phenomena of existence. Mm. Nama is the Pani term. Nama is substituted by the Pani term Vijnana to denote consciousness. Here the prefix V means variety. It does not connote superiority of jnana, of insight knowledge. In the context of dependent origination, but it's just a mupada, the Pali term vinyana, which is conditioned by moral and immoral activities, is to be understood as you know, rebirth consciousness one now that one experiences at the moment of conception. So, Bhatti-sandhi-vinyana, but certainly the term bhatti sandhi also uh, is being uh, used in that context. In the Abhidhamma, Vijnana is also used in connection with the five kinds of sense-stored consciousness, winyana, and in one isolated case as Manol Vinyana, which denotes a particular class of consciousness. in some passages in the sutta pitaka so you know, the basket of fetnan discourses it is stated whatever whatever suffering that arises is conditioned by vinyana with its cessation suffering ceases in the f- first volume of Fatna no, the Majimanikaya section two ninety two we find the following no, definition very simple no, definition of fatna no, consciousness but namely consciousness consciousness is said friend with reference to what is consciousness said and then now the answer it cognizes. Friend, that is why consciousness is sadness said. What does it cognize? It cognizes this is pleasant, it cognizes this is painful, it cognizes this is neither painful nor pleasant. It cognizes, it cognizes, friend, that is why consciousness uh, is, uh, the term consciousness is being used. a renowned teacher of uh, the, uh, of uh, the dhamma and um, including the abhidhamma namely the uh, venerable burmese side of uh, janaka b the founder of a famous Satna study and monastery, the so-called Mahagandayan, that monastery in Amarapur, northern Myanmar or Burma. He's, he writes about Satna, the nature of consciousness. He says, that which is conscious of an object is consciousness. We're conscious of objects all the time. Consciousness does not mean comprehension by knowledge or wisdom, which is a different aspect. It primarily involves the mental factor of wisdom. It means the ability to take in objects through the sense organs. When it comes to you know, the definition of the Pali term citta you know, we have it's the characteristic of consciousness citta is certainly uh, you know, being conscious of an object vijjanyana in Pali its function is to be a forerunner of you know, the mental factors, in that it you know, presides over them and is always accompanied by them. Its manifestation is. As a continuity of processes sandana in pani its proximate cause is mind and matter namarupa because consciousness cannot arise alone yet in the complete absence of mental factors and material phenomena Now, the commentators have offered three definitions of uh, the Pali term uh, "chitta," and said, you know, those are def- and satna you know, those are essentially you know, defining chitta as an agent, then secondly as an instrument, and thirdly as an activity. And so we'll just focus on the last one as an activity. Chitta is itself nothing other than the process of cognizing you know, the object, chintana matam chintam in the Pali scriptural language. And it's this. Last uh, definition you know, that, uh, or this definition you know, that is preferred by you know, the commentators because it makes it clear you know, that these are all you know, just you know, processes you know, that are you know, happening. Um, it highlights the functional characteristic of you know, these mental processes. So the question and uh, that asked at first sight uh, you know, seems somewhat sudden or seems simple, you know, but then you know, when giving it sadness some you know, thought, you know, there is certain more you know, to it. So I hope you know, that Satana this much you know, will uh, help uh, especially the, uh, the questioner uh, to uh, better understand the difference between um, in Pali uh, well, uh, citta and satna vinyana. Now, there are two, as we've seen, fundamental categories that satna make up the mind. And one of those is consciousness, and the other one is the group of. Nama. of what? Nama. Of Dhammas. The, the, the. Or Nama. Yeah. Uh, the, the, more specifically than this. Well, the yeah, yeah, there you go. So. That, that the volitional formations, your chitta sikas and so equanimity is one of those certain volitional formations in, uh, simply put, mental factors. So mental factors and uh, you know, then so chitta seekers and satnachitta those two uh, uh, go together to form what, uh, uh, as a whole, is satta uh, referred to as satnachitta or uh, the mind. Now. Is equanimity of any use in the practice, in the Satipatthana practice? Please please answer with uh, uh, good reasoning. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Doug, you're saying yes. So why then would you say is equanimity all that important? So you're saying it allows you it allows a person to work with difficult mental states, so then certainly already pretty good as a first answer. the answer would be more complete if we say it allows a retreatant to work by me with all uh, there you go. Yeah to work with, and not on just states, you know, but to work with whatever phenomena that come up. Be those, des- of it, be those desirable mm, in nature or undesirable. Be those phenomena to our liking or disliking, it doesn't matter. Now, ordinary human beings possess a lot of equanimity, Would that be a correct statement? (laughs) Most people don't. And uh, equanimity is a mental uh, factor that, first of all, of course, it is present in the stream of consciousness in a latent form. However, if a person doesn't deliberately Uh, cultivated or engaged in mental development uh, then equanimity does not necessarily uh, come to the foreground, does not necessarily uh, become predominant. Now, in the course of uh, Intensive mindfulness, certain meditation, or satipatthana meditation. Well, as we are observing predominant physical and certain mental formations and gradually learning to discern that mentality from that materiality learning to discern how mind and matter are connected by cause and effect, and suddenly we then learn to comprehend uh, uh, formations in the light of anicca, dukkha and anatta. Having gained this much of understanding, then Mm, quite soon and for the first time equanimity will come to the foreground. And there it arises as part of the so-called ten imperfections of insight. And all of you are familiar with those already. And uh, among the ten imperfections we have illumination we have keen sharp unerring knowledge there is sudden further joy beauty there's tranquility pasadi sukha happiness or sense of well-being contentment and satna then furthermore determined satna faith adhimoka, strong effort Bhagaha in Pali, and then mindfulness here termed in Pali as upatana, literally meaning establishment. And then as number nine comes your equanimity. And the last among the 10 imperfections is which one? Attachment, Attachment, there you go. And that's a wholesome or unwholesome mental state? And it's unwholesome. Now, Equanimity is, is, is occurring in different ways and also being described to or referred to in the texts in different ways. One definition of equanimity would be as equipoise and that then refers to a perfect balance as well as an attitude of balance and detachment and impartiality. The Pali you know, technical term for this is Tatramajatanta and Tatra majjatanta mm, literally means there in the middle, which is you know, the name of a mental factor. And so simply you know, then translated as certain equanimity. Now equanimity or ekipoise is certainly spoken of yet in another sense, namely referring to the balance of the five controlling faculties. The Pali technical term for this is Indriya Samatha Padipadana and uh, the reference to this is the Visuddhimagga, it's Satna, uh, uh, section one twenty nine. Now, this balance of the controlling faculties consists of confidence in the Buddha and certainly his teaching. So, in other words, faith in Effort in avoiding unwholesomeness and cultivating wholesome states, kusala, and that effort, then, is effort or energy, is referred to as virya. Correct mindfulness, sati, right concentration, samadhi, and wisdom, pañña. So when those controlling faculties, namely the pair consisting of faith and wisdom, as well as the pair consisting of energy and concentration, are no, no, well, both of those pairs are well no, balanced, then mm, uh, one can speak of uh, no, that one can speak of equipoise. Another usage of Fatna the term upike, or equipoise equanimity in the English language, refers to the unshakableness and the steadfastness of the individual, of a person, in the face of the vicissitudes of life, your so called Loka Dhammas, and the mind suddenly remains suddenly totally unperturbed uh, by you know, those worldly conditions, the worldly conditions are those eight worldly conditions come in you know, four pairs the first one mm, consisting of gain and loss laba and alaba in the body scripture language the second one consisting in you know, fame honor on the one hand side and honor n- n- dishonor and disgrace on the other, Yasa and Ayasa in the Pali scriptural language, then we have Blame and Praise, Ninda and pasamsa in the Pali, and finally Nesukka and Dukkha, namely happiness and certain suffering or misery. Person who possesses some degree of wisdom, and in the course of his or her existence has been exposed strongly exposed to these eight worldly conditions, gradually will respond to them. How? Gradually will learn. Um, will learn to respond to them in which way? with lesser reactivity. There you go. And eventually, one gets the point that there is no, no nothing to be gained in fluctuating you know, or oscillating from one extreme you know, to you know, the other. Now, a similar Thing happens or a similar process happens in uh, the meditation practice, and at least in two places of the practice. Now, the equanimity mentioned earlier on as part of what, the uh, ten imperfections, having seen f- or experienced first. Um, the physical and mental formations in the light of anicca especially dukkha and anatta and then having experienced quite a number of at least in essence wholesome mental states like calmness and faith etc gradually the mind becomes equanimous about certain of those formations now this becomes much more, or in equanimity becomes much more pronounced later on in the practice when retreatants tend to experience what could be uh, referred to as pairs of opposites. Pairs of opposites, such as Heaviness of the body versus lightness of the body, heat in the body versus the uh, cold, the uh, sense of coolness of uh, the body, and uh, then various movements of the body versus the stillness of uh, the body, and uh, heaviness. Yeah. Uh, no, heat and cold. We've got that already. Hardness and sadness, softness, and in terms of mental states, well, especially mm, experiencing the hindrances versus wholesome uh, mental states. Experiencing Opposites such as unhappiness and happiness, restlessness and sudden calmness, distracted distracted state of mind, as opposed to concentrated state of mind, a sluggish lethargic state of mind, as opposed to an energetic state of mind. Now. Under normal circumstances, as human beings with no practice or very little meditative um, experience, we will uh, happily go chasing after the desirable objects and we go happily uh, trying to get rid uh, of uh, the undesirable objects. So, what we like, we try to uh, hold on to, grasp, and what we dislike, we somehow, or you know, one way or another, uh, try to get rid of. Now, when one sees, as a retreat, and when one sees this particular pattern of the mind over and over and over over again and recognizes that this is actually tiring, then gradually the mind gets the point and stops going from one extreme to another. And it prefers to stay aware, just in the middle. There you go. And it is when you look at it as a non practitioner, this is not really all that convincing. What is so great about certain having a balanced mind? In Italy, many years ago, I was certain told by and uh, by the founder of a Meditation Center, well, now what is, uh, uh, what's the use of this equanimity? What's so wrong uh, with having big emotional cycles? Now, you have to understand, Italians, these are lively people. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was really hard so, uh, to bring the point across. So the best way to understand this aspect or the value of equanimity is really through one's own practice and getting a direct experience of it and actually realizing that this is much more rewarding than this constant uh, veneering from one one extreme to the other. The Sutta Nipata contains a verse, namely verse two and twenty-nine, which then speaks of just that unperturbed, state of mind, and. Um, compares it to the so-called column of Indra, Indra Indrakila in the Pani scriptural language. So the Indrakila was at the time of the Buddha a symbol of firmness that was planted at at an ancient city gate. There is uh, in a dema of uh, verse eighty one that, uh, in a different certain uh, way, brings across certain uh, of the same uh, essence, the same meaning. Namely, it says in uh, Pali, parti se lo yata eka ga no watena na sami arati evam ninda samsasu In English, as a mountain of rock is unshaken by wind, and we can add by, by snow, by rain, and so on, so too the wise are unperturbed by blame or praise. The Lineroside Open Eater, in uh, speaking of equanimity in the past, loved love to throw in the following illustration, uh, that, namely that of a billiken. A billiken, or uh, sometimes also referred as your tumbling Kelly. Now, it is a toy that. Uh, Mm, maybe you don't know, it, you know the name of it, you know, but it has—it's um, a half moon shaped satina or it has a um, well, a rounded na bottom and usually you know, there's some heavy uh, metal in there and then towards satna the top it's suddenly then you know, it becomes satna thinner and satna thinner when you push satna the top the tip of it in one direction and you let go of it it will do what it will come to center that's it and so a person who Possesses equanimity to a great extent, no matter how strong the impact might suddenly be by way of worldly conditions or mental states, whatever it might suddenly be, the mind will naturally come back to the center place. Various synonyms have been uh, proposed uh, for equanimity. Balance of mind would be one detachment, yet another one impartiality uh, refers to one particular aspect of uh, equanimity. So we're impartial towards uh, human uh, beings, we don't have any uh, preferences uh, there and the neutrality of mind, zero point between extremes such as greed and hatred and fear and delight have been proposed as a modern term for it would be the non-reactivity of the mind. Or furthermore, the imperturbability of the mind. to make sure that you don't misunderstand equanimity. This is not the same uh, same thing as uh, indifference or a lack of interest. It has nothing to do with a careless apathy, which are uh, expressions of uh, our mind you know, that is associated with uh, uh, ignorance, certain delusion. Express positively, equanimity is uh, mm, such that suddenly you, especially with regard to fellow uh, human beings, that uh, you. Uh, keep your mind in a balanced uh, state and without uh, throwing someone out of your heart. If let's say mm, a certain mm, certain situation doesn't involve the the person mm, um that you're working with is uh, not uh, uh uh, well, following advice or not doing what is being suggested, well, then one simply assumes an attitude of equanimity and certainly just waiting until the person is ready. The Another mm, clarification is certainly needed when we speak of uh, the state there in the middle or there in the middleness, then this is not to be mm, taken as referring to the neutrality of feeling which is an entirely different uh, mental factor, with a different uh, with different qualities. The characteristic of equanimity is that of conveying consciousness and mental factors evenly. Samawahita Lakana, in the Pali Scripture language, its function is number one to prevent deficiency and excess, and certainly number two to prevent partiality. It is manifested. As certain uh, neutrality. The Venerable Pandita Bhimams of Burma uh, in the past uh, used to uh, say it keeps the proper uh, middle. Um, he also uh, would say it's a state of ease and certain uh, balance. The example that uh, he would, or the illustration that he would certainly give is one from Burma. There you have, different from here from the States, you have street vendors, plenty of them even carrying a long bamboo pole across the shoulders, both shoulders, and one big, oftentimes heavy basket hanging onto one end and the other basket hanging onto the other end. And when lifting the bamboo pole plus suddenly the two um, filled baskets, At first, it may seem like a very heavy burden. Once such a street vendor has managed to place the bamboo pole in the right position, and has managed to pick up some speed and gain some rhythm and also um, yeah, then uh, making his uh, uh, announcements. Oh, here yeah, we have ngapi uh, or uh, what, uh, whatever fish it might uh, be. Mm, yeah, then uh, uh, the burden of that bamboo, uh, bamboo pole is uh, and uh, the baskets is no longer uh, felt. Now, various kinds of Fatna equanimity are being spoken of in other texts. They're interesting, all in different ways. One, if is certainly your Chalang Upeka, the so called certain six-factored equanimity, and this is actually you know, the highest certain form of certain equanimity. Now, in which way six-factored? We have the sense, the sense, certain doors. And we have six of those, and suddenly there are. There's this constant bombardment of the senses by sense impressions. Now, if you were to have total equanimity towards every sense impression that occurs at any of the six certain sense doors for an entire day, then you would be considered to possess. uh, And on top of that, you have eradicated all mental defilements. Then you would be be a possessor of Chalang Upeka, that six-factored equanimity. Is this easy to do? to have superb equanimity you know, towards you know, every you know, seeing, smelling, or, you know, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, and uh, uh, then the uh, mental you know, process. Well, it's not. It takes an arahant you know, to mm, really mm, master or, or you know, to you know, well have this kind of a, a quality. There are times in the practice when, for shorter periods, yes, some high degree of equanimity is there, and certainly we might experience a little bit of equanimity towards certain of the different certain sense impressions. And this can be a very, a very instructive experience. Now other forms, just to mention, of uh, equanimity are your equanimity as an enlightenment factor then we have uh, the equanimity as a divine abiding and certainly that in essence boils down to that very mental factor of Tatra Majatata, so um, equanimity then uh, there is still equanimity about formations, more completely you know, referred to as you know, the inside knowledge about uh, inside knowledge of equanimity about formations. Now that, in essence, is what? It boils down to, does it boil down to uh, you know, you know, equanimity or something else? in essence it boils down to um, insight knowledge or wisdom. So the full term is Sangho Jnana. Jnana means your insight knowledge and so it's one of the inside knowledges and as part of that you know, then equanimity arises and so uh, you know, there's equanimity towards certain formations. There are other forms of fatna equanimity such as equanimity as a feeling Vedana upaka, and that in essence is not about equanimity but about certain feeling and you know, then We have equanimity of energy, viri upek, and that in essence is uh, uh, or boils down to the mental factor of effort or uh, energy. Now for the Q and A session on Thursday, one you know, retreatant submitted you know, the following uh, uh, well statement and you know, question, you know, which I'll briefly read out to you and try to address you know, to you know, some extent. Could uh, could one possibly say something? Or could you possibly say something about the sixteen preparatory practices for insight in the Mahasi Manual of Insight? I know you can't go over it in any detail or even mention them all. Well, that's not quite correct. Now, perhaps just shorthand. And my real question is, and here comes the real question how <laughs> how to practically <laughs> how to practically include in in daily practice uh, 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 how uh, sorry, how to include in daily and or uh, retreat practice now I'll try to uh, clarify a few uh, points uh, here. First of all, these, uh, uh, these stages are you know, referred to as uh, uh, insight knowledges, or uh, again, yeah, insight knowledges. And uh, you know, there are 16 in total. Yes, they're being mentioned in Mahasi Sadhu's uh, Manual of Insight. That, in Burmese, uh, uh, is given as the Vipassana Shunijan and in English now it has been uh, the book has been translated and published by Wisdom Publication, and suddenly is known as the Manual of Insight. But uh, those sixteen insight knowledges are originally are mentioned where hmm? Visudhimagga, That is correct. So the path of purification. So that's a, a classification of insight knowledges you know, that Satna was you know, written, or you know, written, put down already many, many you know, centuries ago. And actually you know, the compiler of Fatna, you know, the Visuddhimagga is Satana Acharya Buddha gosa a famous uh, compiler, he com- um, he wrote many uh, uh, valuable uh, commentaries, and uh, so in the Visuddhimagga, what he does is he takes various relevant statements uh, from. Mm, uh, from the text, especially from you know the Sutanta, from the uh, discourses, and uh, puts them all together uh, in uh, puts them into a particular uh, framework. The framework is the, uh, the course's framework is uh, that of Sila Samadhi Panya, namely um, the virtue then concentration and wisdom. So you've got uh, uh, major um, uh, several chapters under those uh, uh, headings and apart from that there's a substructure, a uh, sub-framework that's uh, uh, puts up, or that uh, uh, sets up the Visuddhimaga, or that, uh, that the Visuddhimaga is uh, uh, using, namely that of the so-called seven purifications, and those seven purifications, Visuddhisatto, Visuddhi, in the Pali scripture language, uh, those are actually being uh, mentioned in um, uh, 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 the Ratana. Uh, 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 of the Majima Nikaya, so the discourse on the relay chariots, and within that, those two frameworks, then you know, the you know, sixteen insight knowledges are being explained. Now. Already the first couple of them were mentioned earlier on, discerning mind from matter, discerning how cause, how bodily and mental formations are connected by cause and effect. Then the knowledge by comprehension, comprehending Anicca, dukkha and Anatta. Then the knowledge of the Fast arising, passing away of fatna formations. And that particular knowledge gets suddenly subdivided into a more tender phase and a more mature phase. And it is during the tender phase that those ten imperfections come up. And during the more mature phase, a retreat has gone somewhat beyond certain uh, the imperfections. Now, that having the um, retreat and having um, had a direct experience of Fatna, you know, the fast arising and passing away of Fatna you know, formations, usually you know, will be greatly inspired to what? Give up the practice or continue? Continue. There you go. And uh, um, the experience is so over, or so convincing, one further sees the potential of the mind. One sees what can happen with, or what is possible with the help of mental development. That certain one then decides certainly to go on. When one does that, retreatants. Um, are likely you know, to find uh, that uh, more and more. You know, so um, the breaking up, the disintegration, um, the dissolution of formations comes to the foreground and that one simply needs to pay attention to this over and over and over again. And Satna, this Satna then brings about or ensures clear cut experiences, convincing uh, experiences, and gradually contributes Satna uh, to uh, a profound understanding of fatna, uh, this very um, nature of formations, namely that they are not just arising but they're also you know, disappearing and that then leads on you know, to another insight knowledge um, that certainly will remain for you to be explored uh, experience for yourselves and then there will be a few um, at least well two um, insight knowledges now uh, that's are um, referred to as dukkha yeah, So, insight knowledge is with um, uh, which uh, the dukkha aspect is quite predominant, which is uh, uh, really true. And having so or going through those is not necessarily always easy, can be challenging, but in the end it's necessary. It is only when retreatants see the flaws of formations in the form of witnessing that formations are impermanent, unsatisfactory and non self, it's only then that the mind is ready to To let go. There you go. Ready to let go at least the more willing to. And if that if one hasn't seen those sudden flaws really deeply and there's still you know, the other uh, aspects that, that you know, one needs to understand or the mind needs to understand, um, you know, then you know, the, it will not be possible you know, for you know, the um, profound letting go of all conditioned formations. The letting go that is so necessary you know, to cross over you know, from mundane consciousness to supermundane consciousness. Now, gradually pr- practicing and going through you know, those sudden you know, insight knowledges is a process of preparing oneself and, in particular, you know, the mind for you know, what sudden you know, will come uh, at the end. Now. There's one point when retreatants, having seen so much Dukkha, I think quite naturally want to be free from conditioned formations and will seek or desire something outside of your conditioned formations. At that point, however, retreatants do know what that other thing is or not. They don't know. They don't know and they don't know what to do. They don't know how to get there at that point it's just a desire a mental inclination intention and certainly not more or orientation of the mind but nonetheless certainly is still important now Still, some further maturing of wisdom has to you know, take you know, place. Retreatants once again have to, or once again will, um, go over you know, this vast material of uh, physical and mental uh, formations, and they come in many different uh, forms, and uh, then see those formations in the light of Anicca, Dukha and Anatta, see them in the light of uh, the, f- the the physical formations, in the light of the four uh, great uh, elements, the Mahabhutas, and understand formations in the light of the five khandhas the five aggregates, and under different certain aspects and what happens there is kind of like a revisiting experiences that are already familiar with and a goal of uh, more deeply understanding the development of uh, uh, of the practice of those, in, especially those insight knowledges. When uh, this has been done uh, sufficiently, then the meditation will move on and. Uh, Gradually, things will become much more refined, and uh, uh, gradually equanimity will come to the foreground. At first, it will still be pretty fragile, and uh, it very much needs to be, or it still very much needs to be, uh, nourished and uh, protected. And over time, that equanimity will become stronger and stronger until eventually it's firmly established in the mind. And that process... Of firmly establishing equanimity in the stream of consciousness, as well as a number of other relevant factors, such as your seven enlightenment factors, and then furthermore, the five controlling faculties, all of that work. That gets done during the insight knowledge of uh, equanimity about the uh, formations. So that's certainly uh, a uh, shorthand. <laughs> but certainly, uh, please, this is just uh, giving you a sketch and certainly uh, for you to fill in all the details. Now, how to practically include in daily and or retreat practice a question to you You at home can you sit down close your eyes and decide now I want to be uh, in the inside knowledge of uh, let's say the fast arising passing way of formations because it's so pleasant can you do like this for the most part not so you have to, you have to develop. You have to first of all see where your practice is at, and suddenly then take it from there. Unless a retreatant is highly skilled and is very well versed with all these inside knowledges, knows them in and out, and. So uh, has experienced them in, uh, to to a great extent. Mm, there is such a practice as uh, making adidana uh, or so determinations for um, the for a particular insight knowledge, but this will work only for uh, a retreatant who's uh, who's got a, a very malleable mind and whose uh, uh, wisdom has progressed uh, to uh, some extent. And then, um, plus you know, there's you know, already a lot, you know, a good understanding of you know, the insight knowledge is present. So when those factors are even given, then one could resolve or determine. Let certain, such and such you know, insight knowledge arise, and only that insight knowledge, nothing other, nothing below, nothing beyond it, and. And then one observes objects as they come along. And sure enough, then just that particular insight knowledge comes up. And one could even spend a day or two or three days in that particular insight knowledge. When you do that, you get a really in-depth understanding of those insight knowledges. And then it would be really easy to uh, to know where you where you are. Uh, so at that point, the point, you don't need certain, uh, your uh, what is it? Uh, Google Maps anymore. Google Vipassana Maps anymore. <laughs> You've got that map in your head. Now, time is already quite advanced. There's, of course, much more that could be said about Satna, this knowledge of equanimity, about uh, formations, and will continue during the forthcoming discourse on Wednesday. So for today, allow me to conclude by wishing Whatever comes up in your practice, if you can manage to uh, muster some, um, muster some equanimity and satna then meet uh, uh, that formation, those sudden formations, with as much equanimity as possible. And with that, may the mind be less affected, less shaken, less perturbed by the formations. May equanimity grow in you know, leaps and bounds, and together with you know, the remaining enlightenment factors contribute to the realization of Furtner, the noble path of stream entry within this very retreat here at the Forest Refuge in Barrie, Massachusetts. And this is it.